everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes to Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today is a really special day because it's a kickoff of a two-part series. We love doing series here. I'm a big list guy. I love a good list. And so often we'll have like four parts of this or three parts or two parts or five parts. This is a two-parter. And it started with a conversation I had with one of my team members. Um, I have the honor of working with somebody, amazing name, Giancarlo. He doesn't like me to say his full name, Giancarlo. I think that's very exotic. He doesn't want me to say that it's Gian. I work with Gian Lemmy, um, and we met a few years ago. I was speaking at a university that he worked at, and we became great friends, and I had a position on my team to help me run a community. I have something called the Guaranteed Goals Community, and I wanted somebody super high energy, super encouraging to help run that community. We've got hundreds of people in there from all over the world, and the whole goal is to help them finish the goals they care about the most. It's called the Guaranteed Goals Community. You can check that out at acuf.me slash goals. And when I heard Gian's story, um, his story is amazing. So he grew up in Brazil. His mom really wanted him to have a great educational opportunity. So she figured out a way to send him to the U.S. She sold their car. Like it wasn't like she like cashed in some stocks. She sold their car so that they could afford to send him to high school, his senior year of high school in Connecticut, crushes it in Connecticut, gets a tennis scholarship to a university, goes to the university, ends up marrying a girl from the university. Amazing, like American dream story. And one of the nicest, kindest, uh, most positive people you ever meet. And he and I have been talking a lot about perfectionism lately um, and where that gets in the way of goals. And he noticed that we get a ton of perfectionism questions inside the Guaranteed Goals community and from people at events and people at book signings. So we thought, you know what, let's talk about perfectionism. Let's do a two-part episode about that where he asks me some of the questions that people are dealing with and we're able to create two really fun action-packed episodes. So ladies and gentlemen, that was a big build of, oh, I need to play the ad first. But first, a quick ad from the sponsor of today's episode. You know that book you almost wrote? Perfectionism stopped you. You know that exercise plan that you started, but the results weren't as fast as you expected, so you quit? Perfectionism stopped you. Raise your hand if you have a shame treadmill in your garage or a Peloton that's now just a really expensive place to hang laundry to dry. Any Anybody out there? You know that business idea you half launched a thousand times? Perfectionism stopped you. You know that podcast you nearly created, the attic you barely decluttered, the job change you dreamed about but never made, the New Year's resolution you swore you'd keep but lost sight of? Perfectionism stopped all of those things, but it doesn't have to be that way you can win the race against perfectionism. Starting on April 18th, I'm doing three days of free training to help you get beyond perfect. And if you can't make it live because you you have like jobs and stuff, no problem. We'll send you a video replay. Here's how it works. I'm going to teach three different lessons about perfectionism and you get an automatic pass to a private Facebook group with 20,000 of the most encouraging people you've ever met. It's called the All It Takes is a Goal Facebook group. 20,000, it's private. It's a bunch of people from around the world encouraging each other about the goals they're working on. And every couple months, we do a new challenge. This challenge is called Beyond Perfect, and it helps you and I really deal with perfectionism with some practical, tactical things we can do to accomplish the things we care about the most. It's free, it's awesome, and it's starting soon. Don't miss it. Sign up today at acuff.me slash challenge. 
acuff.me slash challenge. And right now, if you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know, do I struggle with perfectionism? What's the perfect answer to that question? Am I really a perfectionist? You probably are. Don't overthink it. It's free. It's awesome. Sign up today at acuff.me slash challenge. All right, now we're back. Now it's official. Ladies and gentlemen, um, Gian Lemmy. Gian, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting me, John. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. You've already worked up a pretty good list of perfectionism questions. I don't want us to waste any more time. You and I get down to details. Like when we have a half hour meeting, it ends at about minute 23. Like if we're done with the agenda, we're not there to chit chat. You just ran your first marathon the other day. You're a go-getter. So, Gian, let's jump right into the topic of perfectionism. Hit me with some questions. What do we got? Yeah, I think when you're talking about goal-pursuing people, kind of like the GGC um, community that we have, you're always going to have those uh, perfectionists because they're always looking for that little edge that will help them achieve their next goal and keep building on that. So the question we get the most, John, it's about you, actually. When, When did you find out that you're struggling with perfectionism? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think the older you get, hopefully the more self-aware you get. Um, it's like you get extra pages into the manual of you and you start to go, oh, okay. And that happens when you get married too, because when you get married, you have a mirror that goes, hey, this thing you thought was normal, not normal. Like nobody else does that. You're like, oh, is that right? Interesting. Uh, and so I think for me, it was really when my career, I was getting really stuck in my career, really frustrated, jumping from job to job to job to job. And I started to ask some hard questions about, okay, well, why am I doing that? What does that mean? And I, and I started to notice I had just a trail of unfinished work in my, in my past. So half-finished book ideas, um, half-finished notebooks. I self-published a book once, and I only printed one copy for me. Like, I put together the whole book, and it wasn't perfect. It was poorly designed, I felt like. So I, I own 100% of the copies. It's on my shelf. So I started to notice that I, I was not able to finish things. And I really, I ended up writing a whole book called Finish about perfectionism because it kept holding me back. And the people I studied, like part of my process is I find somebody who's doing something really amazing. And then I kind of try to reverse engineer it. Like, okay, well, how are they doing that? And the, the longer I studied people who were prolific, who were excellent, who were accomplishing things they wanted to accomplish, the more I realized they didn't let perfectionism stop them. And so on my kind of like radar scan of what's stopping me, it started to pop up more and more and more and more and more until it was a big enough villain for me to go, okay, I'm putting a two-year book flashlight spotlight on this issue, um, and I'm going to see if other people have this issue too. That's kind of how I bumped into it. Yeah. You're very famous for doing studies all on, you know, about the topics for your books. What, what kind of percentage of people do you think um, struggle with perfectionism? I think I think it's a really common um, common problem. It's one of those problems. It's funny, Gian, that we we're okay with admitting we have it, like because it sounds like a character trait. <laughs> like people go like like it's kind of like, well, I hate, I struggle with perfectionism. It feels like you're saying my biggest weakness in a job interview. I care too much about the job. You know, I just I overcare, and and that's a real problem. Like so, it sounds people are okay with saying. They struggle with it because it sounds like a character trait. The, the thing I always say is perfectionism is just fear dressed up in a tuxedo. Like it's it's still just fear. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, I think anyone who hasn't finished something, you should at least look through the list of culprits and go, 
Was it procrastination? Was it perfectionism? Was it, you know, imposter syndrome? Was it confusion about the next step? Was it, I was overcommitted? Was it, you know, like there's a short list of common foes. So if you keep getting tripped up, you keep starting a diet and stopping a diet. You keep having New Year's resolutions that never make it out of January. Like Quitter's Day, according to Strava, after studying more than 285 million athletic activities, Quitter's Day is the third Friday in January. That's when people quit their goals. So if you keep bumping into that, and you want to actually change it, it behooves you to go, mm, which of these villains is really is really knocking me down right now and is worth doing something. Did you have any perfectionism training for your marathon? Were there any, were like, here's where I would say it would show up. Let me see if you did this. Runners who are struggling with perfectionism will go, today on my training plan, I was supposed to do six miles, but I only have time for four, so I'm not going to go. And you want to go, dude, four is way more than zero, but because it can't be perfect, they won't even do it. Did you see any of that in your training? Yeah. And actually I didn't see, I didn't struggle with that per se, where I would just not work out at all. Um, I think I I did a great job in my marathon training to just say, okay, schedule my day. And sometimes there were some emergencies, but even I would try to make that up. So I would run four. If I had to run six that day, I'll run four in the morning and emergency came up, then I'll do two at the end, or maybe I'll do a bike workout and then a, a shorter. You run. would two part it because that would that would be another thing. Like a, that's like we should do an episode with you on signs you're not a perfectionist because a perfectionist dude would never split a workout. They would go, Whoa, hey, like even you saying that made me a little sweaty. Like you did some in the morning and then later some in the evening. Like no, dude, but that's one, not perfect. But my perfectionism came through actually on Strava where I just didn't let Strava name my runs as morning run or lunch run. I actually had to describe exactly what it happened there so that my 75-year-old me can go back and be like, oh, yeah, that day in 2023. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you're going to review that. <laughs> I'm sure. Wait, so that was what you didn't like the standard names? You wanted a more perfect name? <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, so That's I really, really if you go back on my Strava, you can see it. Yeah, I, I really broke it down. Because, yeah, I would say perfectionist, that's another sign of perfectionism is that it's very inflexible. Perfectionism is really rigid and rigid things are brittle. And so a good goal has flexibility baked into it. You going, all right, I'm going to run some in the morning. I'm going to switch it up. Like it's raining. I got an indoor bike trainer. I'm going to do that instead. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to do weight training, whatever. A perfectionist, like the perfectionists listening to this right now are like, oh, dude, no, you're not, you're not supposed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. And again, that's where perfectionism leads to rigid goals, which turn into brittle goals, which, which yep. break down pretty quickly. So that, yeah, that's interesting. For sure. You did mention a little bit about um, imposter syndrome. How does perfectionism and imposter syndrome relate to each other? Yeah, well, perfectionism tells you it should be perfect the first time, like which it's not going to be. So you automatically feel like an imposter. So you go, perfection says, this should be amazing right out of the gate. And then it's not. And you go, if I wasn't an imposter, this would be amazing. The reason I suck at this isn't because I'm new. The reason I suck at this is I'm an imposter. And then you, you know, then you have the gift of social media to look at everybody else's stuff and go, oh man, look at how they're doing. Like, look at like what, you know, her family's so perfect. The joke I sometimes do um, is that like, especially for moms, you compare yourself to every other mom, like, and that's new. My mom, Libby Acuff, um, in Massachusetts, Hudson, Massachusetts, where I grew up, couldn't compare her motherhood to a mom in Oregon or a mom in Dallas because she didn't have access to their lives. 
She like my mom had no connection to any other mom other than the five that lived in our cul-de-sac. But now with social media, you can go online and feel inadequate in like two seconds. And the joke I sometimes do is like every other mom makes amazing meals and they're always like deconstructed mac and cheese with a Gouda demi glaze and like a noodle shape they only sell in Williams-Sonoma. And like the cheese is from their goat. Like they have a goat and he has his own Instagram account. His name is Chewy. You should follow him. And like you're making your kid Easy Mac and just like I'll say like, have you ever made that bowl of shame? Like you're just like you even get too tired stirring it and you give it to your kid and your kid is like, mom, it's really powdery. And you're like, yeah, life is hard sometimes. It's good for you to learn that lesson now. And the reason I say moms is like dad shame isn't even a phrase in the English language. Like people don't say dad shame. I rarely meet a dad that goes, yeah, I was just on Instagram comparing my fatherhood to other fathers and I feel inadequate. And like. No, dad's default is we we think we're amazing. Like dads will say stuff like, yeah, my kid got a misdemeanor. It's not a felony. I mean, I'm pretty, pretty amazing as a father. So I, I think that's where imposter syndrome gets wrapped into perfectionism. What I would say is that, Gian, fear brings friends. So when you have a fear that you overindulge, like, and by overindulge, I mean, I think you should learn from fear. I think fear is an amazing teacher. It's a terrible boss. Like, I think you should learn from it. But I don't think you should indulge it. I don't like, I love to like have a coffee with fear and go, okay, what's really going on? Is there something in my life that's out of whack? Something I need to change. But I don't go, you want to move in and kind of like run the house? Like you want to live on the couch? And like every time I do anything, you just yell at me? Like, but fear brings friends. So you let that first little fear of perfectionism in. And then it's like, hey, I brought my buddy imposter syndrome. And hey, I brought my buddy procrastination. And hey, and all of a sudden you have a house party. It's kind of like when you throw a party and there's people that show up that you don't know. And you're like, that dude is seven degrees away from my initial friend. He's like a cousin of a guy they saw at a gas station. And like, that's the guy you have to keep your eye on. You're like, the gas station guy is, he's going to steal the television, um, you know, because fear brings friends. So yeah, I think they're definitely connected. Yeah, I love that. Um, can definitely relate to thinking the dads are always awesome, you know? So that's why oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. have conversations with my wife. And she points something out. I was like, how dare you point that out? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And we have this and we need other dads. That's the thing is like dads need other dads they can talk to honestly. Like the, the, the core of that problem is like dads aren't great at having deep friendships naturally. Like dudes, you know, I would, the joke I do with dads is like if you call another man and the first thing they say when they pick up is, Hey, what's up? What's going on? That's them saying, we're not supposed to call each other. Why did you call me? Like that, like if they immediately interrogate you about the purpose of the call, it's them going like, Oh, oh, we talk on the phone just because like, and I would say now that I'm like 47 and, and, and have spent some deeper years into parenthood and fatherhood, I'm like, man, I can't do any of this without other dads or without other men that I can talk to and go, I blew this or I, that was a challenge. That's the other thing about perfectionism is it really isolates you because you assume every other person has it all together. That's another thing. If you said, what are the last perfectionism tells you? One is, yeah, it's just you. You're the, you're the one, you're the one that keeps us. Everybody else got a manual. They got a life manual on how to be a great adult. You didn't get the manual and you go, Oh man, maybe it is. Maybe it is just me. Like, like yeah, everybody else knows how to do life except me. So it gets really isolating. Yeah. The amazing thing though, is when you do become vulnerable and you just share one of your insecurities and one of your fears, everyone else around you goes, Oh yeah, me too. And then it just opens up. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the the thing I sometimes think about that is one of the lies of fear is that when you think about sharing a weakness, fear goes, people think you're weak, 
People think you're dumb. People will be shocked. They'll be ashamed of you, whatever. But then when a friend shares a weakness, you go, that person's so brave. So it's this weird thing. Like it's this weird switch where when somebody else does it, we go, man, I wish I could be as brave as Ben. And then when you think about doing it, you're like, oh, don't say anything. And so we have to kind of remember our reaction to other people's vulnerability because it makes us want to be vulnerable too. Yeah. Now playing devil's advocate, what's the difference between good enough when we're trying to fight our perfectionism what's the difference between good enough and not doing your best yeah so i mean i wish i could say like the answer is 487 like i wish there was an exact <laughs> line um people sometimes ask me how do you prioritize your day because they want me to have a formula yeah, yeah. and they don't want they don't want there to be any struggle and there's always struggle so i mean i think it's a really personal question and i think it's really depends on the project too one thing we have a, a hard time with especially people that are goal nerds like us that listen to podcasts about goals. Cause like, by the way, if you're listening to this, you're a high performer. Cause like low performers don't go, Oh, a podcast about goals. Don't mind if I do like there's somewhere listening to a different podcast. But the hard thing is we think it's all a plus or nothing. And the longer you do anything in life, the more you realize some things deserve your B minus, like they deserve your B minus and that's okay. There's some projects where that's all it's required. I actually learned this lesson like maybe 20, 15 years ago, I worked for Home Depot. So I was writing advertising for Home Depot and I had two projects and one was a postcard about a rug sale, a pretty exciting. <laughs> and one was a 96 page catalog representing the, like the new design of our entire brand. And I was focusing on both of them with equal creativity. <laughs> And my boss pulled me aside and was like, hey, no offense, dude, no offense. Her name was Donna. She goes, as soon as this postcard for the rugs leaves the building, no one is ever, ever, ever going to think about it again. No one is going to talk about it. No one is going to remember it. The headline should be rugs 50% off this Memorial Day. Come on in. That's your headline. Stop trying to Picasso this headline. And she said, this other 96-page catalog, every executive is going to hold it. Every executive is going to pass it around. There's going to be meetings about what we put inside it. So focus. So I think when it comes to perfectionism, it said, somebody told me like one of perfectionist lies. Somebody told it to me the other day was you, um, you play the, it was something like you play the way you play for everything you play. Or it was like you do everything you do the way you do anything you do. And that's not true. That's just a hundred percent. Like, I, that is a hundred percent not yeah. true. Like I am so focused when I write a book, I am like, Oh, but when I run around my neighborhood, I'm not like, okay, where's my, like, I'm not as focused. I'm certainly not going, yeah. I got to make sure these electrolytes are the right, like going to take a pH balance when I get home, maybe like get some, get some of my saliva and analyze it. Like, yeah. no, like there's things you, you know, in the same way that if you take your kid to a birthday party and it's one where you have to stay, you've got an eye on that kid. The other kids you're not thinking about, like there's things you focus on and don't focus on. So I would say the difference between good yeah. enough and, um, and like being lazy or cutting corners is what did the project deserve? What did it demand? The, the lie of it, everything deserves the same amount of energy, same amount of focus. That's a hundred percent not true. And that yeah. freezes you up. And then you end up doing something like really intense work on something that doesn't matter and missing the things that really do matter and not having time left over. But the reason we have a hard time with this is we don't like to admit we're finite, that we're limited that we have limited amount of creativity, limited amount of discipline, limited amount of hustle, limited amount of focus, energy, whatever. So we go, I'm bottomless. I'm, I'm infinite. And then you go, 
wow, I wasted a bunch of time and energy on projects that didn't matter. And the ones that did, because I was afraid often of the ones that did. Like I, I can fill my day with meetings that don't matter because I'm afraid of writing a book. So I know which one matters at the beginning of the week. It's very clear. Like I was hired to write a book. I'm a writer. The book supports the speaking, supports the podcast, supports the guaranteed goals community. This is the thing. But then I can go, man, I really want to nail like, dude, I should not overwrite the descriptions for these podcast episodes. In <laughs> fact, I hire somebody to write those because I like you would you could tell that everybody listening today, there are projects that I'll beg you and the other team members to not show me because if you show me, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to be <laughs> editing. I'm going to be like, I don't know, dude. I don't know. What about if we said it this way? And you guys are like, hey, uh, dude, uh, we need you to write a book. We yeah. need you to stand on stage. We need you to do like there's like four things I can do that other people don't do. Let us help with the other stuff. So that to me is part of the, the challenge between excellent and, and cutting corners or, or being lazy and perfectionistic. Yeah. Being in the world of sports, we hear, you know, how you do every, anything is how you do everything. That's a lot. Yeah, that's the quote. I said it like seven <laughs> ways wrong. Thank you for it. That must have been killing you inside. I was butchering it, dude. That's so good. The other, the other quote I, I, I don't like is hard work beats talent when talent stops uh, working hard. And that's not true. I can work for 10 years on my basketball game. I go out on a one-on-one versus LeBron James. There's no chance, you know, no, there's just no, no chance. If talent is equitable, you know, then sure, hard work will be talent, yeah. but there's just no way, no way. But yeah. I like, you can't teach height, isn't it? You can't teach <laughs> tall, can't teach height. Like I, that's the, we could do a whole episode and, and I should have mentioned that on the upfront. Gene's uh, also a tennis coach at the collegiate level. So a lot of his goal philosophy comes from helping elite athletes. So it's a really fun to have that kind of worked in. Um, but we could do a whole episode on motivational statements that aren't true. We should do that. Let's put a pin in that. That's going to be another episode. We already talked about a third. So like, I think we're just going to keep having fun about yeah. discussions around topics like this. Yeah. Or athletes or, or famous people that say, I don't believe in goals, but I have these three things that I'm trying to achieve. <laughs> oh yeah yeah dude or they'll go i don't believe in goals i believe in standards and you're like well what's a standard and they go it's kind of like a goal yeah that's what i thought yeah like i get that in order to market books you have to be controversial or have to say the opposite so you have to be like i don't believe in this and then you ask somebody and it's they're doing the exact same thing they just rebranded it a different way and you're like all right okay fine like goals goals never work and you go what works intentions what's an intention it's kind of like a goal yeah okay fine are there um, any any ways that we should be leaning into our perfectionism? Are there any reasons why we should be leaning into our perfectionism? I don't, I mean, I think like anything, I think you can learn from any fear or from any weakness. Like I think, I don't, I don't think you should beat yourself up for being perfectionistic, but I think you should work around it. I think you should come up with some boundaries for it. I think you should you know, set some limits, some timers. I mean, there's part of the, that's part of the reason I use timers when I write. Cause I know my, that writing portion of me won't usually say it's done. Like it won't naturally be like, ah, it's enough, but it's kind of, what is it? The, what's the principle principle? It's not the Pareto's print. Oh, it's Parkinson's law. Isn't it? Isn't it the Parkinson's well, law? The, it just grows. Like, the task grows. Yeah. To just the grows. It, the task grows time. to the time you give it. So I think you can, I would say, I wouldn't say like I lean into it, but I would say, what are the good parts I can strip? Like, I think about it like I'm stripping this bad thing for the four or five good things that are in it so that I can take them forward. Okay. Like, so like one of the things is like, you've got an eye for detail. Awesome. 
use that, like exploit that to your best, like take that forward. It doesn't mean the opposite of perfectionism isn't being sloppy. Like that's not the solution to perfectionism (laughs) isn't to not care or to be sloppy. That doesn't help you either. The solution is to figure out what are the good parts and then how, how can you amplify those while removing the bad parts? Yeah, love that. And John, we we have a challenge coming up, a three-day challenge coming up in a few weeks where we are going to be dealing mm-hmm. a little bit of with perfectionism and some signs of perfectionism as well, how to combat it. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so Gian, that, that's part of what you do with the Guaranteed Goals community. Um, in 2020, I thought, oh man, this is going to be the year for public speaking. Like I remember I had this moment where I uh, opened up for Dolly Parton at the Ryman Auditorium. And it was in like, I think the second week of February. And I I remember driving away being like, this is only February, dude. The rest of the year is going to be amazing. And it was like the narrator was like, it was not in fact amazing. And so all these live events I had got canceled or postponed or moved. And I had all these ideas, all this content, all this desire to help people and no way to do it in the way that I was used to. So I really started to go, okay, how can I speak to a bunch of people without them even leaving home? Like, how can I, because the challenge, Gene, with me, my career, that I guess some people don't know is I do corporate speaking. 99% of my events are not ticketed events. Not birthday parties? Not birthday bar mitzvahs. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll show up. Eric Thomas, if you listen to that episode, I interviewed Eric Thomas. He got offered a hundred grand to go speak at a birthday party and said no. And I was like, like, that's amazing that you're so on mission. But dude, if somebody was like, we want you to, and you're going to be dressed as a clown and you're going to be sitting on a pony while you deliver the speech, I'd be like, I I can work with ponies. You can send me I mean, ponies. Yeah, I'm cool with ponies. Yeah, so... I, I speak at events that aren't that aren't ticketed, which means they're private events. So, you know, I'm tomorrow I'm going to t- Dallas to speak to Signet Jewelers. They own Kay and Zales and Jared. That's a private event for their store managers. A month ago, I spoke to Ace Hardware. It was their top 1,000 stores. Like, I couldn't say to the general public, hey, I'm in Las Vegas. Come see me, you know, speak, because it's a private event. So I was like, okay, I can't do events right now. I want to do... A, something, what can I figure out? And that's where we started doing challenges. And the concept's really simple. We do three days of la- of lessons. So it's like, I teach for an hour. We have, you know, kind of a backstage section where people can ask questions, which is super fun. Um, and we always pick a topic and we try to pick topics that are relevant and helpful. So this one's called Beyond Perfect because a lot of people have said, hey, I, get, I need some tips on perfectionism. And it's really fun because it's, a ton of content. It's a fire hose, share a bunch of ideas, and it walks you through some tactical things you can do when it comes to the topic, in this case of perfectionism. So I consider it like a slingshot. And it's fun because it's going to start off this content we're doing um, in the Guaranteed Goals community called Make It Through the Middle, because the middle of every goal is the hardest. And we're in the middle of the year. Like it's April. Most goals haven't made it to April. Um, you know, I always say like people don't do New Year's resolutions. They do January resolutions because by the time February hits, like February is the elephant graveyard of resolutions. So we're going to do some special content about what does it take for you to make it through the middle because that's where goals tend to die. And people, our culture says silly things like the hardest part of any journey is the first step or, you know, like well begun is half done. And you're like, no, it's not. The hardest part of any journey is the middle. You just ran a marathon, dude. Yeah. The, the starting line was exciting. Very exciting. Like there were people cheering and music <laughs> and there was a gun that went all, ah! and dude, I guarantee the middle of the race, you all, you hit that wall where you go, 
Yeah. Why did somebody let me sign up for this? Like yeah. why? Like somebody should have stopped me. Somebody, what am I doing? <laughs> like, why did I, the middle's hard. So we're going to do the beyond perfect challenge. And then we're going to kick off some content about making it through the middle because I don't think we talk about the middle enough and we want people to actually finish their goals. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen that momentum grow even inside the GGC and then dwindle now in March and April where we were so excited. We're going to write that book. We're yeah. going to start that business. And then April is like, oh, I'm so, so overwhelmed already because life happens, right? And yeah, when, January, that's where you need forget. a booster shot. Yeah. yeah, you need a booster shot. Like you need, that's the thing is that we're doing the Guaranteed Goals community um, this year because we were doing these one-off ideas and then it was kind of like, hey, it's been great seeing you for these five weeks. Good luck with the rest of your life. And we were like, no, what if we could create a private community where other goal nerds could get together, could encourage. And that's what I like about it is that when you pop in there, there's people that are going, hey, here's what, I, here's what I'm struggling with. And 20 other people go, oh, me too. Here's what, I, here's what I did to solve that. Here's something I'm thinking about. And then you created a list and we're turning it into a wall. Or I don't know what we're, how we're going to design it. Keep me out of that, by the way. That, yeah. Put that on the list and don't show me because um, I'll come in there with some terrible ideas. Um, but it was just you created a Google document of like, hey, what have you accomplished? And then it was like 50 people filled it out in like two sections. Like, hey, here's what I did. So that creates momentum too. You're not meant to chase dreams alone. So I, I love that online allows us an easy way to create a community where people can share their goals. And that's the, that's the thing I should have mentioned. We also have a private Facebook group called All It Takes Is A Goal with more than 20,000 people in it. And it's like old school internet, like before the internet got sucky and mean. Like it's 20,000 people from around the world that are so encouraging and so like you won't, you won't post something and go, here's this thing I'm thinking about trying and you won't post it and have somebody criticize you. You'll post it and somebody will go, oh, you should do that. You should start that business. You should declutter that garage. I love that we've got people willing to be brave with us. I think that's really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks for the time, John. It was a great conversation. Can't wait to do it again. Oh yeah, and we've got a second part coming up because we've got a ton to talk about yeah. with perfectionism. I want to talk next time about one of the phrases I say that helps me the most when it comes to perfectionism. I'd call it a soundtrack. It's only three words. There's there's actually two I'm gonna talk about. Um, one that helps me get started and one that helps me when it's a smaller result than I hoped for. So we'll make sure that uh, we do the second episode. That'll be next week. GN, thank you so much for joining me. It's always fun to do stuff with you. And I'm excited that I got to introduce you to this community of listeners. And thank you so much for writing uh, reviews of the podcast, everybody. Really, really appreciate that. We'll put any links to show notes as always. Um, and yeah, keep those reviews coming. They're super encouraging. Um, Gian and I talk about them and we'll go, oh, wait, that's a good idea. Somebody asked a good question. So thank you so much for the feedback. Please make sure you subscribe or follow so that you don't ever miss another episode. I'll see you next Monday. I'll be here with Gian. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast. <laughs>